637, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Yes, I am proud that I, I survived. It wasn't, it wasn't the laser tag. It, 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 it was the trampoline volcano dodgeball that I, I admit did me in. And where you, you get into this giant room, and it's a big trampoline. And I don't know how to describe it other than the fact that they throw in a bunch of balls, and they divide you in half, and then you've got like eight or nine people on each side bouncing on these trampolines, throwing balls at each other. It is the perfect thing for a 10-year-old birthday party. Now... For Uncle Jeff, I don't know if that is the perfect thing. After about 10 minutes, like I say, I'm like, okay, where's where's 911 here? Let's catch our breath. But um, if you get a chance to, if you get a chance to do it at least once, I would say do it. A lot of fun. But uh, happy birthday to my nephew Alex, and that's one of the signs of love. Uncle Jeff was out there. We have a lot of stuff on today's program. Some serious stuff and some lighter stuff. We start off every show with a segment I call Three Big Things, things that I think you need to know about for the day that you can discuss at the coffee closet or at the water cooler, at the lunch table, regardless. Big thing number one, stop fooling around, stand up. All right, uh, U.S. soccer has now passed a bylaw. You might remember that last year that the fad and it was started by NFL, now free agent quarterback, Colin Kaepernick, who decided that even though he had made millions of dollars in this country, he was not going to stand for the national anthem. Now, an interesting aside to the Kaepernick story, he is now a free agent trying to find some other team to sign him or to, get to convince the 49ers to sign him again. His agent says, oh, don't worry. You know, if you resign, if you sign him, he will now stand for the national anthem, proving once again what a screaming hypocrite Colin Kaepernick is. He's under contract. They can't cut him, essentially, because they have to pay him. So he decides he does what he wants. Now, when he's trying to sell himself and he realizes he's controversial, now don't worry. He, he promises he will now stand in any event. Kaepernick decides he's going to take a knee during the national anthem. This becomes a huge story of the fall. More and more athletes decide to do this. In 2016, the fall, a woman named Megan Rapinoe, who was a player for the World Cup winning U.S. women's national soccer team, decided that she was going to pull a Kaepernick. She began kneeling during the playing of the national anthems before games. She is an off-the-field activist for human rights issues, including LGBT rights, um, was, again, one of the people who decide, all right, I'm going to stand or kneel in this case with Colin Kaepernick. All right, USA Soccer has passed a bylaw which says all persons representing a federation national team, so if you're playing for Team USA, men's, women's, regardless, shall stand respectfully during the playing of national anthems at any event in which the federation is represented. So the rule is you have to stand. Now, it is unclear um, what what the penalty would be should, should you choose not to do this. But, but that is, it is now the rule, and you could theoretically be punished if you chose not to. Um, U.S. Soccer comes out and says, we have an expectation that our players and coaches will stand and honor the flag while the national anthem is played. The coach of the women's soccer team says that she um, thinks that this is a good good rule she expects her players will follow it and if they don't there will be consequences but we don't know what those are let's start off big thing number one it is now mandatory for at least soccer teams in the, representing the united states to stand during the national anthem 
414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I think it is unfortunate that you need a rule that tells people if you're representing the United States of America, you should stand respectfully during the national anthem. I think it is unfortunate that you need a rule to that effect, but they do. So now they've passed a rule. Is this a good idea, or does this unfairly infringe on the free speech rights of the players who choose to play for Team USA soccer, either men's or women's. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this rule good, or is this going to unfairly infringe on the free speech rights of the players? What do you think? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 414-799-1620 is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can text us responses as well. That's a new feature we added last week. Um, we're back to discuss next. It's 842. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTM. MJ. 847, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The new Beauty and the Beast will soon be in theaters, but a surprise ending is keeping at least one theater from showing the movie. Get the entire story on Scafidi and Bill Stett, 1235 today. All right, it's been announced that U.S. Team U.S. Soccer, women's team, men's team, they now have a rule that says you must stand during the national anthem. This is, of course, in response to Colin Kaepernick and a U.S. team soccer player named Megan Rapinoe who decided to take a knee during the national anthem. I think it's unfortunate that you need this rule, but they have the rule now. Is this a violation of the athlete's free speech rights? Let's start with Nathan in Milwaukee. Nathan, good morning. Morning. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, I spent seven years in the Army, and even though you have free speech when you're wearing the uniform, but when you're wearing the uniform, yep. you don't have those rights as as a regular citizen, because you kind of give up those rights, in a sense, mm-hmm. when, you're wear, when you are wearing the uniform. I think it's the same thing when you're um, a sports player representing the USA, yep. because it's, if they want to do the free speech and kneel or, or something like that on their own time, that's fine. But when they are on the field wearing a U.S. flag on their jersey, they should represent and stand up for the national anthem. Yeah, Nathan, I I agree with you completely. I mean, um, first of all, thank you for your service. But, I mean, I'm in the situation where, right, if she's she's attending a soccer game and she decides that she decides she decides she wants to sit on her on her butt while everybody else is standing while they're playing the national anthem, okay, I wouldn't like that, but that's at least her choice as an individual. But, yes, she is representing the country, and I think it is... At, at a minimum, stand, be respectful, or if you don't respect the country, all right, or you don't respect the flag, you don't respect the national anthem, or you want to make a political statement, fine, just get off the team. And then nobody's going to sure. care what you do one way or the other. I mean, the Kaepernick thing is a totally different story. I mean, he, uh, personally, I think he's an idiot. I mean, he's a hypocrite as far as that aspect. Right. Now that he can't, doesn't have the contract anymore, <laughs> yeah. now it, he's... Yeah, isn't that funny? The agent says, oh, don't worry. Now that now you, yeah. if you sign him, he's going to stand. So that, I guess the principle kind of disappears, you know, once you're trying to get the dough. Yeah. Right. And it, it's just the... I, I understand and respect anybody's free speech. You know, you can have a difference in opinion and everything like that. But when you're wearing a uniform that's representing the flag right. and the country, I mean, it's the national anthem, and you stand for it, yeah. you take your hat off, all that kind of stuff. Right. It's a simple sign of respect. Well, it's right, and it's sort of like in the military. I mean, you're taught, maybe you maybe you don't respect a senior officer or a superior officer at all, but you're, you're taught you respect the rank. That's what you're saluting, right, in the military. Exactly. Yeah, thanks yeah. for the call. I appreciate it. I mean, that, that's that's the whole idea. I mean, just just stand up. 
Michelle in Grafton. Michelle, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Michelle. Uh, well, first of all, Colin had his 30 seconds of fame, and unfortunately it wasn't for playing football. <laughs> yeah, right. I, think the, I think the whole idea has kind of jumped the shark this season. It was I think it was kind of, that was last season. Yes, it, it was hip and trendy to protest, and now, you know, I what's the new was, thing going to be? Yeah. Yes, and, and soccer is a whole different ball game. You know, I think, um, you know, she felt it justified uh, for the LGBT or whatever. I think the whole idea is going to take a, it was a, it's a good time for them to say, we're not going to stand up for this anymore. Cause I, yeah, I think, I think if the, the, the management in the league says we're not going to stand up for this anymore, it's because there's a lot of people that are going to be standing up this year yeah exactly no thanks to call michelle and i think that's that look i'm on our text line um you know um soccer rule players do not choose freely to play for team usa team usa chooses them usa first amendment rights do not apply to private organizations this is not a government agency if you are accepted as a player in a team usa then you must choose to abide by the rules if you don't like the rules then decline the offer people who disrespect a flag should choose a country they do respect and then live there yeah i mean she has a right to protest but at the same time if you're going to sign up to play and you're going to represent this country on the national teams, you know you should feel comfortable standing up during the national anthem. And if you don't, well, fine. Take your skills somewhere else and see if anybody cares. Okay, that's big thing number one. Big thing number two, President Trump listens to a talk radio show and the weekend blows up in controversy. Since 1946, Ansian Associates has worked to help businesses and people secure and grow their version of the American dream. Hi, I'm Alan Neva of Ansian Associates, and here's another client success story about living the American dream. Hi, I'm Dave Frank, CFO of David J. Frank Landscape Contracting, a company my father founded in 1959. From day one, the objective at David J. Frank Landscape has been to take the best possible care of our customers and their properties. This begins by putting the best people on the job and taking care of them too. Thanks to Ansan Associates and our agent, Alan Neva, we have the right insurance to protect and support our employees, their families, and all our American dreams. Thanks, David, for trusting Ansan Associates and me to be a part of the team at David J. Frank Landscape Contracting. If you are interested in seeing how the right insurance and employee benefits can help you and your business, check out ANSAE.com or give me, Alan Neva, a call at ANSAE Associates. And let's have a conversation about securing your version of the American dream. Broadcasting live from the Ross Darrow Group Studios, News Radio 620 WTMJ and WTMJ HD Milwaukee. It's 8.54. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Big thing number two. The headline in the Wall Street Journal's editorial page this morning says, Washington goes nuts. <laughs> and, you know, I don't think that that is an understatement. We live, we live in just genuinely strange times. Let us review the bidding. Last Tuesday, President Trump gives a speech to a, the joint houses of Congress, and I think, I think it is fair to say that it was very, very well received. It was presidential. It was good in tone. It was inclusive. I mean, it was a home run. All right. After that, 
you have the, the other side that decides that they they now have to bring down Donald Trump. We can't allow Donald Trump to have his moment in the sun. So you have the what I think was the fake news story about Attorney General Jeff Sessions. You know, the story about how, well, he, he had appeared in front of Congress and Senator Al Franken in the context of asking about whether or not he had any information that the Trump campaign colluded with the Russians uh, during the election, says, no, I haven't met with any Russians. And he's talking about the campaign. Well, it comes out that as a member of the Armed Services Committee, he and a bunch of other senators met with a group of ambassadors, including one who was the Russian ambassador. Oh, the scandal. And that, again, as the whole Ukraine uh, conflict was playing out, you know, he met with a series of ambassadors, including the Russian ambassador. Now you've got the, the crazy, unhinged people like Nancy Pelosi going, oh, he committed perjury. He lied. All right. You know, give it a rest. So you have the efforts to try to undermine Donald Trump in the wake of his outstanding speech last last Tuesday. So then into this mix, there's a, a, a nationally syndicated talk show host named Mark Levin. And Mark Levin goes on TV, on, on his radio show on Thursday night, and says something to the effect of President Obama had used the instrumentalities of the federal government to wiretap Republicans seeking to succeed him. And that's pretty much all he says. All right. Now, President Trump then picks up on this and starts sending out tweets saying that, that he, the Trump Tower had been wiretapped and that Obama had ordered this. At that point in time, James Comey, the director of the FBI, sort of breaks bad and says, hey, we, 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 we did not do any sort of wiretapping, that there's nothing to this. And he demands that the Justice Department issue a statement saying that there's nothing to it. The former national security advisor says there is nothing to this. The basis for the claim appears to be, at least as near as I can figure this out, that some Trump loyalists have been caught on intercepts talking to members of the Russian government. But that doesn't mean that Trump Tower was wiretapped. It could be that they were listening in, and most likely is, that they were listening into conversations that the Russians were having and the people at Trump Tower were on the other line. So it's entirely possible that they might have showed up on intercepted things, but it doesn't mean anybody had bugged or wiretapped Trump Tower. President Trump, however, is not backing off on this claim. All right, big thing number two, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Do you think there is something to this? Do you believe we need an investigation as to whether or not Barack Obama ordered Donald Trump and Trump Tower to be bugged? Or does this strike you as paranoid ramblings? Four one. I don't know how to ask the question any more direct than that. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Wall Street Journal starts its story by saying um, Washington goes nuts. How do you react to this? Nine oh nine. Jeff Wagner, six twenty. WTMJ. Okay. Over the weekend, Donald Trump sends out certain tweets alleging that he just found out that President Obama 
had the wires tapped in Trump Tower before the election. He compares it to McCarthyism. He sends out another tweet saying, is it legal for a sitting president to be wiretapping a race for president prior to an election turned down by court order earlier a new low? All right. The head of NSA, National Security Administration, during that time goes on Meet the Press and says this did not happen. Um, the FBI director makes a public statement saying there were no, this did not happen, demanding the Justice Department um, retract or correct this. Donald Trump, for his part, is not backing down. Matter of fact, today they trot out Kellyanne Conway and she says, well, he, he knows things that other people don't. It appears that the genesis of the story came on Thursday night from a radio talk show host, Mark Levin, who, based on, I think, a couple reports in Breitbart, said that we, we think that there were was activity and things were being, um, that, that there was some wiretapping. Washington Post and New York Times have been working on this story for months and months. They cannot find any evidence that this, in fact, did happen. So what do you think about Donald Trump's claims? Our text line actually is exploding. 414-799-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, Jenny texts, it is the chaos change story. Um, Would love to hear anybody try to defend these tweets. Um, Have another text. Captain Quig, it's the strawberries. Stephen Racine writes, Donald Trump needs to stop tweeting, period. His speech on Thursday gained him so much respect, and it was all shot away with this. No investigation is needed. It's getting more and more difficult to defend this guy. Bruce says Mr. Trump needs to spend his time tending to the business of governing and stop wasting his time on these extraneous matters. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Brian in Brookfield. Brian, good morning. Good morning. What do you think? There doesn't need to be an investigation. This this man has lied about just about everything. He's lied about crowds. He's lied about weather. He's lied about his electoral uh, vote margin of victory. He's lied about three to five million people voting illegally. Uh, he's, and now his latest tweet storm. I mean, I, your your former associate on Friday night, Charlie Sykes. I'm sure you watched the show. I haven't seen it, but he was on Bill Maher on Friday night. Yeah, on, yes, on HBO. Was, yeah. yeah, I haven't seen it I mean, yet. He was no. great. He, he probably endeared himself to quite a few people on the left by calling him a serial liar and a narcissist. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just the man is doing this to divert attention from the Russian. So you buy into like the whole chaos change sort of thing. Let's just let's just create chaos. Let's try to change the story. Absolutely, well, he's trying to change the narrative right now in the news media. Well, I, I mean, I have to tell you, Brian. And again, I, I there's some of the things that, that Donald Trump has done since he became president that I, I think he deserves credit for. But at the same time, some of these speeches, I, I as a former federal prosecutor. I take the allegations of wiretapping to be – I used to run wiretaps, and I know all the procedures that you need to go through. This is a very, very serious thing, and it is a very big deal. And in, if, in fact, his offices were being wiretapped by NSA or the FBI or whatever, that would be a big deal. But I'm with you. I don't think you can throw around these allegations unless you're willing to say, this is, this is why I believe this. It's not just because I read something in the alt-right media or whatever. You have to be able to prove it because it's a serious a serious allegation for him to bring this to light and also uh lying about the three to five million people voting uh illegally, <laughs> illegally. Voting. Yeah. i mean he's 
illegal, yeah, allegedly. He's yeah. tearing at the fabric of not only our election system, but also what you just stated, how how difficult it is to get a FISA. Right. Uh, right. I mean, it's just, it's, it's amazing. Right. If, right thank, I mean, see, that's it. This is, this is a significant allegation. And if it is true, it is a really big deal. But words matter, and especially words when they come from the President of the United States. So if his campaign offices were, in fact, wiretapped by the FBI, which says no, or at least the FBI director says no, or NSA, which says no, or through some illegal wiretapping operation ordered by Barack Obama, and I have no love for Barack Obama, but that is a huge deal. But you cannot, at least in my opinion, throw around these allegations without some sort of basis. Now, I mean, I understand this is this is why the Washington po- why the Wall Street Journal says Washington is nuts because you had after the Trump speech last Tuesday, well received you had the hysteria jeff sessions perjured himself all these things that was a complete fake news non-story then you had the allegations that gee mike pence when he was the governor of indiana conducted some indiana business on a private email on a personal email account and they tried to liken that to the hillary clinton thing that was fake news that was a non-story so i understand that the environment we're in now but if you are the president of the united states and you're going to accuse your predecessor of wiretapping you 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 got to be able to prove it and then this idea well he knows more than everybody else does well i mean i do it is kind of like let's where are the strawberries here let's go back to the cane mutiny vincent on the northwest side vincent you're on 620 wtmj good morning good afternoon good morning hi, yeah. hi vincent. Uh, vincent. Good morning, uh, you know uh, this is a new low for the presidency uh the, the, the fact is i know we're dumbing it down dumbing the presidency down pretty low at, at the last couple of weeks but this, 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 this is a president accusing a former president and also the FBI of breaking the law. He invoked uh, Watergate. Right. So, so the fact is, he's saying these individuals broke the law. And he's, and he's tweeted this without any, any, any shred of evidence. Right. And so, 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 so this is basically uh, 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 not, not only dangerous, not only to, to this country, but 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 the security of, uh, of 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 everyone around the world it, it's it's insane what he's just did and i know people willing to accept many things that this, that, that president trump has done right. just because he can he can give them a supreme court justice or whatever but the fact is if, if he destroys the, the the honor and 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 the prestige of the presidency of the united states what are we willing to accept this is outrageous to, to, to and, and 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 if this is true, if this is true, then 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 the, let the ducks fall where they may. But the fact is, to say this without any evidence is absolutely outrageous. Well, well right, because because it, it, it is a big it is a big deal one way or the other. Now, I, again, as I was saying in the intro, Vincent, I is it possible that I mean, obviously there are Trump associates who've been caught on on intercepts, but that doesn't mean that their phones were tapped. More likely, it means that they're talking to Russians whose phones were being tapped, and they're the other parties. Um, I, I also understand that there might have been perhaps some effort to this. This could have been spam. Who knows exactly? But if you're the president, I just don't think you can make these allegations unless you're willing to present hard evidence. Here's where the missiles are in Cuba. These are the pictures. We're, I don't see that. 
That's exactly. So, 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 what do you? So, where do we go from here? The fact is, you've accused the former president of breaking the law. You've accused the, 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 the FBI and other agencies in the government of, of, of breaking the law. Where do we go from here? How, how much do we accept from this president? You know, absent evidence. I mean, ab- absent, evidence. absent evidence. Right. Right. Now, thanks for the call. Okay, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, look, I, 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 I don't know. I was not in Washington during the Obama years. Um, and I understand that there's during the Obama years, you, you had, for example, some of the efforts to go use the IRS, I believe, to go after conservative groups. Do I believe that do I believe that there were partisan politics at play over the last eight years? Well, of course, I didn't just fall off the turnip truck. But my question becomes, I mean, do do you believe it is responsible for the president of the United States to be sending out these tweets at this time without any sort of hard evidence indicating that he was the subject of wiretaps. We continue the conversation next. 922, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Remember the first time you ever got on skis? Our very own Doug Russell experienced that for the first time recently, and we've got the video. Check it out on the sports section of WTMJ Mobile. Dan and Oconomowoc. Dan, good morning. Hey, good morning. Uh, you know, fun, always a fun topic. <laughs> well, it's, do, do you think there's something, look, I, I, if this happened, it is an incredibly big deal. But I guess I'm just troubled the president sending out these tweets with apparently no evidence behind it. Well, actually, there is. There's, the evidence actually is overwhelming. Um, I, I think it was Mark Levin over the weekend on mm-hmm. Fox, and, and not that I'm a big fan of him, but he used public records. Uh, and uh, and just the, some of the media reports and showed that the Obama administration had actually obtained a FISA court warrant in June uh, to surveil Donald Trump's presidential, uh, presidential campaign. Well, let me just and correct you. You say media reports. The, 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 the thing he's talking about is is it's attributed to Breitbart, the alt-right source. And uh, actually, Breit- it was a new, actually, it was the New York Times, and I believe the Washington Post. No, no, both, they both find they both done investi- oh, they both done investigations and found that, that they can't find anything. The Breitbart thing attributes it to Heat Street, exclusive FBI granted FISA. Let me see FISA yeah. warrant covering Trump, ta- Trump camps ties to Russia. Nobody can find this though. Well, you know, and the funny here's the here's the cool part: the president can actually, uh, and we ha- we have the pub- Republicans in the House and the Senate. We actually can dig into this and find this out. But a FISA request, we can find out who if if it, if one was ordered in June and another one was ordered in October. It's very simple. Okay, process. is there a difference between a request and it being granted? Right, right. The one was a request. The one in June was a request. The one in October was granted. Is my understanding. So if that's the case. He has, you know, he has some weight here. And you got to remember, all these leaks coming out, I, come on. I mean, it, this is the same guy that lied to us and it, said, we can keep our doctor. If, okay, okay if you do an investigation and it yeah. turns out there is nothing to this, should there be consequences to the president for making what would then be a false claim? Um, uh, you know, uh, that's, uh, you we're getting into a fine line here, but. I, and something's going on. You have huh? to admit. I mean, obviously, all these leaks are coming well, out. Well, I, I think there's. I mean, th- see, I, I think. So, I mean, see, I, are there intercepts? Well, I, again, they're, they're obviously. I mean, they're inter- they're wiretapping Russians all over. So, I mean, is is it is it possible that you have Trump people who are caught, you know, talking to 
you know, Russians through various wiretaps? Yes. Does that mean Trump Tower is wiretapped? No. Uh, but the bigger picture of, of this, are, are there leaks? Absolutely. You know, are there people, what's the phrase they use, deep state? You know, are there people embedded, matter of fact, we're going to talk about this as a topic later on this morning, I hope. Are there people embedded in the government who don't like Trump, who have access to confidential information, who are selectively leaking it in an effort to try to make the Trump administration look bad? And my answer to that would be absolutely yes. I am, candidly, I am more troubled by that than I am right now by allegations involving, again, the, the, where I don't even think there's smoke, much less fire. If it turns out that members of the Trump campaign were colluding with the Russian government to undermine the election process, that is a big deal. And depending on how I up that goes, it might be impeachable. I have seen nothing, nothing suggesting that that to be the case. So I, I think that I fully acknowledge that you've got this deep state situation. You've got anti-Trump people burrowed into government who are leaking information. And to me, that is clearly a violation of the law. And depending on what their motivation might be, it might even be traitorous. I mean, it might even be treason, depending on what their motivation is. But it's a clear violation of the law. And I agree. It is a big, big deal. You cannot have bureaucrats with access to classified information or former bureaucrats or politicians that have access to this selectively deciding what they need to leak. So I have no problem at all with investigating that. But I think, candidly, the president, absent evidence to the contrary, if he wants to go before the American public and say, I have learned that I have been the subject of wiretaps illegally conducted by the former president of the United States, that is the subject of a Stop the Presses national news conference and a criminal investigation into the people that might have done it. I'm just saying you don't throw around those sort of things unless you're prepared to prove it when you make those allegations, not this speculation. Um, Like I say, the Wall Street Journal says Washington goes nuts, and I think it's gone nuts on both sides. It's 935, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. I continue to be bombarded by texts and emails about the, this whole wiretapping thing. And again, I, I, I will tell you, first of all, I continue to believe that President Trump should stay the heck off of Twitter in the middle of the night. I, I just, I, I think there is a time and a place and a way, when you are the President of the United States, what you say matters. And Late night texts and tweets in general do while I understand it might appeal to your base and I understand why it might make you feel better and why it might be diversionary. I, I, I think it is unbecoming of the office to do that. I guess that's the best way I could put it. Now, I, I, one of the things that has bothered me about President Trump's style going back to the campaign was he was oftentimes just an advocate of the big lie the uh, one of the classic examples um all right ted cruz ted cruz is i mean you know he during the campaign remember he he suggested that ted cruz's father was in collusion with lee harvey oswald in connection with the jfk assassination that's kookville all right that that's kookville without any more evidence than some headline or something or some implication in the national Enquirer. that's that's kookville and once you become elected president of the United States, and I have defended Donald Trump on a lot of the policy issues, but I can't defend him on this. 
unless he has got evidence. I was a, I'm a former federal prosecutor. I ran wiretaps in conjunction with the DEA and the FBI. I know what you need to go through to get wiretaps. It is a big deal. I never did NSA wiretaps, so I mean, I, I know less about that. But, you know, to say that you have been wiretapped it is a huge thing. And to accuse the former president of the United States, and I'm not a Barack Obama fan of doing that, is a big deal. And to do it in a 3 a.m. or whenever the heck he sent this thing out tweet without any sort of evidence of that, and then, of course, you trot out your minions to say, well, he knows stuff that other people don't know, that to me is irresponsible. If you are going to make significant claims like this, suggesting that the law has been violated, well, then what you need to do is you need to be able to back it up right away. And the fact that you're not getting anything tells me that he he can't do that. But he doesn't care because, again, it is the chaos theory that's out there. Now, I say that at the same time acknowledging that I'm not sympathetic from the left. As I was saying, all last week, you had the hysteria, the fake news. Jeff Sessions committed perjury. No, he didn't. Oh, you've got Mike Pence. He did a Hillary Clinton. Okay, well, Hillary Clinton had classified government information that was on a private server. All right. Against the law, Mike Pence apparently used a government, you know, he, he, there's no prohibition in, no prohibition in, you know, Indiana law that says that you have to conduct all your government business on, you know, on the, the state servers. So it's just, it's apples and oranges. But again, going back to the Washington, the Wall Street Journal editorial today. Washington is nuts. And it is. And for, I for one, I don't want to play into this thing. My God, we have got, we have got legitimate issues that are out there. You know, we're dealing with the economy. You know, we're dealing with issues of national security. For the love of God, can't we concentrate on these things and start advancing the country instead of obsessing on all this type of stuff? And I blame the left, and I blame the president as well. And there, Hondo, who's producing the show today, we have now made everybody unhappy. But can't we just grow up, for God's sake, and move on? All right, big thing number three. And I've actually been waiting all weekend to discuss this with you. Tom Barrett um, giving his State of the City address. Now, let me back into this topic. One of the things that really hit home decades ago when when I ran for public office and, and toured the state was the way the city of Milwaukee was viewed, the way the city of Milwaukee was viewed out state. And, And I came from this perspective of somebody who, you know, grew up, in southeastern Wisconsin. I grew up in Glendale. Um, and it really hit home because as you travel out of the state, and if you don't travel out state and you just kind of stay in this immediate area, you do not realize that the general perception perception of Milwaukee out state is, I'm going to be blunt, as a giant urban cesspool that sucks resources from the rest of the state and pees them down, you know, a rat hole. That, that's the way... I, I would perceive this. Well, Tom Barrett, the mayor of the city of Milwaukee, is trying to disprove that, that theory. And what he has been arguing for the beginning part of this year is that actually Milwaukee, the city of Milwaukee, is an engine that drives the state. And his evidence of that is it's accurate, but it's not necessarily true. He, he's saying that city residences and businesses send about $1.37 billion to Madison from income, sales, utility, and taxes. So this is what people and businesses in Milwaukee pay. 
They send $1.37 billion. And um, the state, in the form of shared revenue, only sends like $227 million back. And so that's like we're, we're actually it's a net loss. Milwaukee sends more money to the state than it gets back. Therefore, you know, this idea that we're a drain of resources isn't accurate. Well, that's not completely accurate because that's just looking at, okay, taxes that you send in and revenue that you get back. It's not talking about, for example, oh, the cost to state taxpayers of supporting prisoners from Milwaukee that are in the state system. I mean, it's not talking about it's not talking about social services that are administered through the state that go to people, you know, who are residents of the city. I mean, what Barrett is talking about is just tax money coming in versus shared revenue coming back. So what he's saying is is accurate. I don't know that it's necessarily completely true because, like I say, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of resources, state resources, that Milwaukee ends up drawing from that that aren't included in that calculation one way or the other, as opposed to here's one check versus here's another check. But nevertheless, I mean, his point is that this image of Milwaukee as, again, this urban cesspool that is sucking all sorts of money out of the rest of the state is unfair and inaccurate. Okay, big thing number three, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Let us tee this up. Do you believe the city of Milwaukee is getting a bad rep statewide for everybody who, again, thinks that it is a drain on resources? The mayor says, hey, the numbers don't back that up. And in his analysis, I understand where he's coming from. Now, I think that the actual question is a lot more complex than that. But do we need to reassess as a state how we view the city of Milwaukee. And if you are outside the city of Milwaukee, I guess I would be particularly interested in hearing what is your perception of the city and why? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line we discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 943, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Nine forty-seven. Jeff Wagner, six twenty. WTMJ. Okay. Milwaukee Mayor Tom Barrett is giving a state of the city address, and, and he's saying, "Look, this perception that Milwaukee is a drain on the state is inaccurate. We send X billion dollars. Um, you know, we send one point. You know, almost one point four billion dollars to the state in taxes, in shared revenue. We only get less than a billion back. So we're, we're actually we're, we're paying more money. That is accurate as far as it goes. Now it doesn't include a lot of stuff. Like I say, it doesn't include the costs to state taxpayers of housing prisoners from Milwaukee. So it, it's. Is it accurate? Yes. Is it necessarily true? Maybe, maybe not. But but what about this perception that Milwaukee is a drain on the rest of the state? Is that accurate, inaccurate? How do you view the city of Milwaukee? Nathan on the west side. Nathan, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Uh, hello. Hi, um, I've been a lifelong Milwaukee resident my whole life, and as a product of MPS, I have my problems with the city government. The city does have its issues. However, I believe a lot of the people who complain about the uh, Milwaukee being a drain on the state are the same people who have no problem driving all the way in for Summerfest, the state Mm -hmm. fair, the Milwaukee Brewers, and taking part in some of the good things in Milwaukee, but then they drive right back out of the city limits to begin complaining about Milwaukee. 
Right. So the the idea is that you you think it's un, it's no question, despite the fact that Milwaukee has problems, you think there's no question it overall it, it's a huge asset to the rest of the state. It, it, cult, it is a huge cultural center, and like I said, it has its problems that need to be fixed. But my my family likes to joke that the twenty of us in our backyard barbecues we represent almost the entire city of Milwaukee's Republican right. voting base. <laughs> so, the people who move around to the suburbs they're not going to help us with our problems because they can't vote in our mayoral races because they live outside the state. I uh, granted Milwaukee does need to fix it and watch and sweep its own doorstop, but I'm the one who has to drive down I-94 past the stadium, which is jammed with cars. I know all those cars aren't from Milwaukee. Right, and, and the truth is, a- any, any big urban area in this country has issues that you're, you know, or the, I mean, look, the, we, you've got issues with poverty and unemployment and those type of things all over, but you're going to find them, you know, perhaps disproportionately in any big urban area. So I, I don't think Milwaukee is any worse than you know, Cleveland or, you know, Chicago or any of these other areas. It's just, it does kind of come with the territory. Now, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, again, I, th- I think the mayor's analysis is accurate but simplistic because it doesn't incorporate all the other costs that Milwaukee imposes on the state. If you just look at money coming in versus money going out. But at the same time, I, I think... He says, okay, we shouldn't have to have this chip on our shoulder. Lynn in Watertown. Lynn, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi. Hi, Lynn. I have two just simple, simple opinions. And one is it's up to Milwaukee to change its image. Any other business that wants to improve its perception of reality Mm -hmm. has to go about doing it themselves. You can't just say, oh, you know, poor us, nobody right. likes us. You have to go in and you have to advertise and show what is important about what you do. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. And the other thing is I work for a nonprofit. I see a lot of money that could be going to Jefferson or Waukesha, going into the consolidated nonprofits into right. Milwaukee. And right. it's kind of a drain on some of the nonprofits out here that have, yeah. For whatever reason, joined up, but there's needs in these other communities, though smaller, but the big well of right, and that's not, and that's not the type of, and, then, and that's not the type of stuff that is included in the mayor's analysis. Just like I was using the example of prisons, right? He's he's just looking at shared revenue that we get back versus money we send out. He's not including any of those other type of things. You know, I I, I have to tell you, Lynn, I continue to believe. That the biggest image problem Milwaukee has, and it it is in my mind, it's a reality. It's not a perception. Is the crime issue? You know, if I think if you could get a handle on the crime issue, a lot of the other stuff would would follow. At least that's my opinion. Yes, yeah. I agree. Right. I mean, because that. I mean, and and the the truth of the matter is that in general, I think Milwaukee is a safe city, but there is. There is a crime problem that's there. It is a crime problem that is spreading. And I guess one of the things that I would like to see the mayor use his bully pulpit to do is to not just say, okay, we need another law on guns or or whatever, but actually start, for example, trying to be part of the real solution calling out the judges. Because you talk to cops, and I'm, I'm on my soapbox right now, but I mean, they'll tell you that in general, people are pretty good. 
But we have repeat criminals who are committing crimes over and over again and continue to get slapped on the wrist. I would love to see the mayor come out and use his bully pulpit to start calling out judges and calling out the DA's office when you have these sentences and when you have practices which result in these revolving door criminal justice system. Because if you want to get a handle on crime, and again, I believe that the number one issue when it comes to the perception of Milwaukee is the fact that it is crime-plagued. Is it really crime plagued statistically? I don't know. But but the truth of the matter is when, you know, every third day you've got a story about somebody being carjacked, you know, some 31-year-old woman, you know, having a gun stuck in her face and her car stolen with her kids in the back seat. All right, that's, I'm sorry whether that's statistically accurate or not, whether it's statistically significant. All you need is a couple stories like that, and people are going to say, we don't want anything to do with you. John in Thienesville. John, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Hi there. I was just calling in to use the analogy of an old house, that um, there's a character that old homes say, have and that you keep mm-hmm. putting money in them. Right. People say, why do you do that? Well, I don't know, but it's a part of the character, and I think Milwaukee is part of the character of Milwaukee, of the, of the state. Yeah. Yeah, you're talking to somebody who lives in an old house. I know exactly what you mean there. You <laughs> I've, I've heard some of your <laughs> yeah, uh, comments. And, I know and exactly what you mean. Yeah, but but you, you, you love it. Okay, the house is old. It's in the National Register of Historic Homes. Everything costs three times as much, but you love the house. I get it, yeah. Yeah, and I was Saturday, I was just down at the Milwaukee Theater, that Shen right. Young, right. and I just, I, I just said, wow. You know, and so Milwaukee has a, we have our problems, but overall, I think uh, we add the character that the state needs. Well, no, I, I and I think that's fair, and I, I mean, I do think Milwaukee has, I do think Milwaukee has a huge image problem, and just looking at it from the, the, this dollars and cents type of thing, I, I think that's way too simplistic. Because, like I say, there's, there's other sort of costs that are associated with it, but but if the mayor really wants to change the perception, I, I think. What he needs to do is get a handle on some of the major problems that are there. Uh, Dan from Manitowoc says, my view of Milwaukee is that it's unsafe, unclean, and not a nice place to live. Well, um, okay, here, here, here would be my, my talk. There are areas of the city of Milwaukee which are really nice places to live. There's areas of Milwaukee County which are really nice places to live. And there's areas of Milwaukee County and the city of that are they're very safe. I mean, I, I go to all sorts of places, and I do not feel unsafe. Now, the truth is... There are other places in the city that I would not go, and I will tell you the areas of the city that I feel uncomfortable even going to or driving through are increasing. But but, but do, do I think Milwaukee is this giant urban cesspool? No. Do I think it has significant image problems? Absolutely. 955, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Speaking of that. Dealer's Choice, coming up in less than 10 minutes. I want to tell you a story about driving down Capitol Drive last Saturday night and open up the phone line. So stick around. It's 956. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Ten oh nine, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Okay, one step back, two steps forward. Uh, breaking news in the last 20 minutes. Washington Post reporting President Trump is preparing to sign a new executive order with regard to the the ban on immigrants. Now, let me back up here. The, of course, one of the first and perhaps most controversial things the Trump administration did was that they issued on a Friday uh, an order 
banning immigrants from seven predominantly Muslim nations. The order was open-ended and, and vague. It did not it did not specify or it did not specifically exempt people from those countries who might have had green cards, who had already, for example, or, or visas, who had left the country or coming back. It led to all the protests at the airports. It led to all these different legal challenges. And a lot of the courts that struck down the orders were basing basing their rulings on the fact that there, there's different types of due process. If you're, if you're someone, an, an alien, I'll use the term, somebody from another country trying to come into the United States, you have very little due process rules. If, however, you – protections. If, however, you are in this country, you know, on a green card or a visa, whatever – you do have, while not the same protections necessarily as, as an American citizen, you do have certain protections. And the order was open-ended, as I argued at the time, while I think I understood the intention behind it. It was incredibly ham-handed, and the Trump administration got off to a bad start. I never, I never got the fact that there wasn't somebody in, in the room when they were talking about this who rose, raised their hand and said, okay, what are we going to do with people who have green cards? What are we going to do with people who had visas? So anyways, that's, that's what led to the basis of a lot of the court challenges and a lot of the court rulings striking this down. Well, okay, President Trump had a couple different ways to go. He could, having lost in front of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, he could have tried to push the matter to the U.S. Supreme Court. Alternatively, what he could have done is simply say, okay, I'm going to render all this stuff moot. I'm going to issue a new order. And in the new order, I'm going to attempt to address the legal concerns and questions that were presented by my first order to hopefully avoid some legal challenges. Now, I am not naive. I did not just fall off the turnip truck. Clearly, this new order that he's just coming out with, it's going to lead to some legal issues as well. But it does strike me as being a lot less susceptible to legal challenges. So anyhow, um, today, President Trump, according to the Washington Post, is going to be signing a new executive order. Um, it will impose a 90-day ban on U.S. entry for new visa seekers from six majority Muslim nations, uh, the same six that were included before, but not Iraq. In addition, the nation's refugee program is going to be suspended for 120 days, and um, the number of refugees that the U.S. will accept in a year is going to be capped at 50,000. Um, that's, that's down from the 110,000 cap set by the Obama administration. So he's capping the number of refugees at essentially half of what the Obama administration was allowing. The refugee program is going to be suspended for 120 days to assure for better vetting. And uh, again, 60-day, 90-day ban for new visa seekers. Uh, the new guidelines again name six of the seven countries included in the first order, but it leaves out um, Iraq. Iraq will apparently increase its cooperation with the U.S. on additional security vetting under separate negotiations. So that's what's apparently happened. Here's 
Here's the, I think, the thing that deals with some of the legal challenges. The new order provides other exceptions not contained in previous versions. For travelers from those countries who are legal permanent residents of the U.S., dual nationals who use a passport from another country, those attending diplomatic missions, and those who have been granted asylum or refugee status, they are exempted. So I I think from a legal standpoint, that makes a lot of sense because the argument was, hey, these are folks who, you know, do have, because they've been admitted in the United States, they had certain due process rights that weren't included in the original order. So you're taking them out, and so you make that whole issue go away. Apparently, the order is also going to attempt to outline a more robust national security justification. Uh, fact sheet says 300 people who enter the country as refugees were currently the subject of FBI counterterrorism investigations. The order is going to go into effect March 16th. Now, um, again, I, I'm not naive enough to believe that there's not going to be Lots of challenges to this new order, and th- there's a okay. What, what's today? Today's the fifth. Today's the fifth, right? March fifth, sixth. Today is March sixth. Time flies. Today is March sixth. The order is going to go into effect March sixteenth. So you know that there's going to be litigation, and a lot of the usual suspects are going to be running to court, and they're going to be filing challenges, trying to get injunctions. This, I think, again, without having seen the fact sheet is much more likely to withstand legal challenge moving on. But there will be legal challenges. But now at least you've addressed the due process concerns. And now I think, you know, if you present this to the American people, hey, we are concerned with people coming in from these six countries. Forget the fact that they're primarily Muslim. That The fact is that the, these countries offer little or no vetting themselves. In some situations, they're nothing more than regimes. The United States has an interest in making sure that we're not admitting people, either through the refugee program or through visas or green cards or whatever, um, who present, present terrorism risks. This just allows us time to establish a more significant vetting procedure. You make that argument, and I think most people say, okay, um, we, we understand, but you don't have to worry about if you've got a green card or dual citizenship with, I don't know, France or whatever, you're not going to be excluded from the country. This is a good first step, and candidly, I'm glad the administration took one step back, said we're not going to defend the earlier order. This is a new order. We're going to address the challenges the court had. Let's move forward. Coming up next, Dealer's Choice, my night on the mean streets of Milwaukee. Stick around. It's 1016, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 1018, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Cutting-edge treatment for children with seizures may soon be legal in Wisconsin. Why are some lawmakers pushing for it? One of the legislators that supports the bill explains on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Tune in at 321 today. Okay, Saturday evening. I I, I live in the North Shore. I was going over to my brother's house. He lives in, in Pewaukee. So there's a couple different ways you can go. You can take the freeway, or the more direct route is to take an east-west street, Silver Spring, Good Hope, Hampton, Capitol Drive, whatever. It's And then you go out to, like, Highway 100, and then you go south, and then you go west. So um, Saturday night, I decided to take one of the more direct routes. So it's about 7 o'clock at night, and I am driving down Silver Spring. All right, just kind of minding my own business, driving down Silver Spring. I'm in the – it's two lanes. I'm in the left – lane the speed limit i want to say where i was it was eh, right around 35th maybe a little bit further west and and the speed limit i think is 35 i'm going 40 
Sorry, I was going 40. I, I look in my rearview mirror, and coming up behind me, I see one car driving like a bat out of you-know-where. I mean, I'm, I'm watching this car, and it's swerving in, and, you know, there, this is 7 o'clock on a Saturday night on a busy street, and I'm watching it, and it's swerving back and forth between lanes. I see it a couple blocks. The car passes me. Um, it, it, it was going 80 if it was going 5 miles an hour. It's go- I go, wow. And then I look back, and I see that there's another car following this, driving 80 miles an hour at least. and I'm, and it's it's like and they're weaving back and forth and going around and of course this is one where you're looking around to see a cop but this is I'm maybe maybe these are just speeders I'm figuring these are stolen cars I mean I figure I figure these are maybe that's an unfair type of thing but I figure these are kids that have stolen cars that are driving at a high at extremely high rates of speed but I'm watching this. these cars are driving 80 miles an hour at seven o'clock on a Saturday night weaving in and out of traffic it is a miracle that somebody doesn't get killed so they, they go off. So I continue driving on Silver Spring. I get to, there's a stoplight at um, like 92nd Street, like 92nd and Silver Spring. I am now in the right-hand lane. I am stopped at the red light. There is a car let next to me in the left-hand lane. We are both stopped at the red light. Hand in the air. I am not making this up. Right? We're both stopped. It is a red light. So the person next to me knows that it is a red light. We're both there. And then all of a sudden, the guy floors it, and I don't know how fast his car got to zero sixty, but he just runs through the red light, um, goes through the intersection. There's cars screeching. There's cars hitting their brakes. And again, I'm sitting there going, that guy just drove through. He stopped, looked around, and then just decided to floor it, going through the red light, narrowly missing cars. There wasn't anybody in the intersection, but of course, that's only but for the grace of God. And... At, at that point in time, it's kind of like, okay, just get me off this damn road, you know, because I, you're, you're taking your life in your hand driving down this particular street. And, and that's just two in the space of, of a few minutes. Our number, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. At the risk of sounding like a dinosaur, I do not remember... And this is from somebody who got his driver's license the day he turned 16. I think driving is getting worse. I think people are getting more irresponsible. I personally think it is much more dangerous on the roads now than it has ever been before. And that's not because of the condition of the road. It's just because you have this stuff going on in on a regular, regular basis. Honest to God, this is five minutes of my life. Whatever the time is on Saturday night, it takes me to get from, you know, 30-whatever to 92nd Street. Cars going 80 miles an hour, whipping in and out of traffic, guy blowing through a red light after stopping at it, causing cars to stop. Now, again, I... Maybe it's unfair. Maybe maybe these aren't bad drivers. Maybe these are kids in stolen cars. That was actually my impression of the cars going 80 miles an hour. But I, I could be doing them a disservice. But you're taking your life in your hands. Is it getting worse? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Or has it always been that bad? And maybe we're just noticing it. Mike in Greenfield. Mike, you're first. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. Welcome to the actual morning. <laughs> Thank you. What, what do you uh, think? Am, am I am I overreacting? I mean, again, this was a no. small sample, but my God. <laughs> I've been driving myself, and I don't want to 
can't beat myself, but I've been driving 42 years. Okay. Right? And I work around 3rd and Center, which is a few blocks, ironically enough, from the 5th uh, Precinct uh, police station. Right. I have worked down there, Jeff, for two and a half years. Every day I witness stuff. I could be an undercover cop. I could give out a ticket every minute <laughs> on the minute down there. Yeah. For every. This is the mentality, Jeff. It's only illegal if and when you get caught. I, you, when you're driving, Jeff, you have to be careful because you want to be right, not dead right. Oh yeah. Look both ways on stop signs, oh, stop yeah. lights, because they just go recklessly through it. Right. I mean, I, honest to God, I'm watching. I'm seeing this car coming up. I thought. I thought it was a cop in a high-speed chase, except neither one of these cars have, like, lights on. These are just people, for whatever reason, who are driving 80 miles an hour at 7 o'clock at night down Silver Spring Boulevard, weaving in and out of traffic. Um, it, it's a miracle nobody got killed, Mike. It's a miracle. I see this every day, and all I'm going to say to all these listeners out there, I'm going to warn you, and I hate this, and I'm not being prejudiced at all, because I work down there. You ha- you have to, even if you're in the right, you have to look both ways when oh. you go through a green light. Well, that, no, there's, there's, there's no, I mean, I, I see that all, I've told this story. I mean, when, when you're, when the way I come to work, um, I, I'm crossing a major street and I, I'm coming from kind of a side street. There's a red light there. You, I have learned, I have learned watching people run through the red light, but it was just, it was just stunning to me. I can, it, it's 90 seconds, seven o'clock at night. I'm stopped at the red light and I watch this guy who's come to a stop just stand there and say, the heck with it. I'm going through it, floors it. And just after we've reached a stop, 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Tell you what, let me take a quick break. We'll be back with more calls. Lots of people want to weigh in. 928, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Better have full phone lines. We're going to continue this conversation over the uh, after the uh, news break as well. Juan in Milwaukee. Juan, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Oh, hi. Good morning. First thing. Okay, I got to share this. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was driving to Mesa Street, Milwaukee. Some couple kids try to, you know, they pass me up to the right shoulder. Right. They're in the right uh, shoulder. They pass you. Okay, got it. Yeah. Yeah. So I say, uh, okay, I don't have to put up with this traffic. So I decided to take a right turn and take a shortcut because I was going to some south, you know, south area of Milwaukee. Okay. And then I'm getting close to the light. This guy is like two cars behind in the light. So I'm about making my right turn, you know, getting close to the light. I took check my mirror right next thing i know i'm on top of the guy you know and i mean i hit the car right he decided to take it right i mean take it cut me up let's say this right he decided to cut me up so too fast but he didn't make it through so i right. ended up scratching you know uh right right on my bumper right he kept up uh, out of the car start kicking my car <laughs> like crazy like he was in drugs and all of them well try to flee this this scene i try to haul it uh, it's kind of hard to believe, uh, you know, what the police reaction was after that. Right. It, it, it ended up getting a little bit nasty. I don't want to go through the much details, but I was blamed for the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, come on, man, I'm just trying to make a turn. Now, thanks. See, that's, but it, it just, I mean, I don't know if it's irresponsible or crazy or whatever, but we're going to continue this conversation for one more segment. If you're on the line, please hold on. I'm telling you, it's getting to the point where you're taking your life into your own hands, getting behind the wheel of a car nowadays. 
Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, 1034. Good morning, Jeff. Mike from Sheboygan writes, I am from Sheboygan, was in Milwaukee on Friday night, couldn't believe the people traveling at high rates of speed and zooming in and out of traffic. I almost saw a mom pushing a stroller get hit on the corner of 27th and Layton because of a distracted driver. I got home and said, wow. Um, let's see. I live on the northwest side, another text, and I see this every day. And after second call to my alderman, she informed me that they've got more important things to do to crack down on speeding in this area per MPD. You have a better chance of being shot than getting a speeding ticket or for any traffic violations. Laugh out loud. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Jerry in Bayview. Jerry, good morning. Hi, good morning. Great topic. Um, I drive easily 100 miles a day in the city um, delivering uh, meds, so I see a lot, right. and uh, just three days a week. So anyway, the biggest problems are flying through the red lights yep. or doing a, a poor Chicago stop. Another bad one is on the side streets, not stopping at all for stop signs. <laughs> but I, I get these people easily, so I drive between 35 and 40 on certain streets, and they will fly by me, sort of doing either 65 up to 80 miles an hour, passing in the parking lane. So here's what happens. When they pass in the parking lane, if, the car, if there's a car parked for them, right. they force their way into the lane. Right. So the other cars are slamming on their brakes. Right, because they're now, going, the and they're is, also going seventy or eighty miles an hour. So you've got, and you don't necessarily expect that there's going to be somebody driving through the parking lane that then is going to force their way in. Absolutely. Yeah. But I, I have to say this: I must see very often. I see Mark squads that they have to see what I see, but nothing's done. Maybe they're on a call. I don't know. But I think one answer is that you have to have unmarked squads, and there's five streets, not just the north side or the south side. On the side from the south side, it's Oklahoma, National Avenue. North side, it's Capitol, Silver Spring, and 92nd Street. It's like they're, yeah. they're racing. And I don't get this why there's cars racing. I, well, I, racing right. on these no, well, that, I mean, I mean thank, thank, thanks. That's what I said. That, that was my experience Saturday night. I, I'm, I'm in the left lane. I admit, I'm going five miles an hour over speed limit. I, I'm not making this up. One car zips by. It's got to be doing 80. If it's going, you know, in and out of traffic, and then there's another car, I... It went by so fast. One of the windows was tinted. I couldn't see. The other one had what looked to me to be a young male that was driving it. I Again, I'm assuming these cars are stolen, but what do I know? Maybe that's unfair. But they're driving like bats out of you-know-where, weaving in and out of traffic. It's it's just nuts. Kevin in Milwaukee. Kevin, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Morning. Uh, let's see. I drive for the two rideshare companies okay. here in Milwaukee. Right. I drive up to 55 hours a week. Wow. And i got to be honest, it's a free-for-all. <laughs> I've seen speeders go through red at 50, 60 miles an hour around people, and the cops sitting right there do nothing. <laughs> the, cop, the cops don't pull anybody over anymore. It's a free-for-all out here. It's, okay. I mean, cause I, so what you're telling me is I'm looking around going, where are the police? You're telling me the police might be there. They're just not going to bother pulling somebody that's blown through a red light at 80 miles an hour over, huh? Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> wonderful. Thanks for the call. Okay, good morning, Jeff. It's not you. My wife and I were heading north on Congress, and we came to a stop at the red light at uh, 92nd Street. We were behind a woman in the far right train lane when she decided she not only wanted to turn left, but she didn't feel like waiting for a green light to do it. <laughs> so, okay, it, it's a red light. Here, I'm just going to floor it, go across three lanes of traffic, and make a red light. It's crazy driving on Milwaukee streets. Um, yeah. Bill on the north side. Bill, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. 
Hey, Jeff. Good morning. Welcome to my nightmare. <laughs> okay. so, uh, I, uh, I have a store in 54th and Villard, and in the last two years, we've had three cars flipped end over end by stolen car drivers, speeders, mothers with babies and not in seat belts. Uh, You've had three cars flipped over in the last two years in front of your business? Absolutely, and that's no lie. That is a fact. I can prove it. Fifty on Fifty Fifth Street. I'm on a hill, and then on Fifty Second Street, uh, I tell my customers not even to park on the street if they're smart to come in my lot. They'll, uh, right. One day I expect a car to come through the store, but I just don't know when. But now let me tell you something about our baby shaking, our baby kissing, handshaking, smiley mayor. I cornered him in City Hall. I said, Mayor, listen, we're in a danger zone. Can't you clean it up like our like our sheriff did down at the lake? You go down to the lakefront now, it's cleaned up. Nobody speeds. It's beautiful. If, if, you, if you really want to clean it up, you can. How about anything over 20 miles an hour, car impounded right. on the spot? Give them fast trials so they can't claim that you're doing whatever. Oh, yeah, I'm going to look into that. Yeah, and that, that's an interesting... He doesn't do anything. We need a new mayor. We need a new police chief, and we need saturation patrols. Well, right. I mean, thank, I mean again, see, people. Thanks, I mean, people are just people are going to get killed. It is. It is a. It is a miracle that more people aren't dying on the streets. And and I really, I firmly believe that it's getting worse. Now, I mean, maybe maybe it was always like this, but I've lived here essentially my whole life. And I don't remember it being like this. Yes, would, would you have the occasional, you know, person that blows through the red light? Yeah, but, but I mean, again, I, my experience on Saturday night, and if it's indicative of all the different emails and texts and calls we're getting, it is not, is not, this is not an atypical experience. Debbie in Milwaukee. Debbie, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Debbie. I'd just like to comment about one day when I was going to work on a Sunday I had this fellow behind me. I turned out of my driveway. He's behind me. I make a right-hand turn onto Mitchell Street. This fella passed me on the left side, drove all the way down to Miller Parkway, never stopped for a stop sign, went through the stop-and-go light, all, and he even went through Miller Parkway, and that's pretty busy street. Just never, never slow down, huh? Never slow down. And... These people, my boyfriend's been hit like two, three times, and by people like this, they don't have insurance. Of course not, right? They, they, they don't they have any insurance. Don't have insurance. Chances are probably better than even that they don't have a valid driver's license. It's either suspended or it's been revoked. There's no insurance. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's a mad thing. I mean, it is, this is, see, this is one of the quality of life issues. And I understand, we talked about in the earlier segment, how the mayor doesn't like the fact that, you know, Milwaukee has the image that it has. But this is, this is one of these reasons. And I'm telling you, I, I saw it on Saturday night. Ron in Milwaukee. Ron, you're on 620 WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call this morning. Yes, sir. Um, I was calling, um, I have been driving school bus for 10 plus years, and I have never seen it this bad to the point where people don't even care about running over children. Really? You get to a point where, and it's not, and it's the thing, it's, it, it doesn't discriminate, it's not race-based. I, I drive out in Milwaukee, I drive out in Greenfield, I, anywhere, Mequon, I drive everywhere, either People are in a rush. I don't know where everybody is going to the point of they will blow a they will blow a sign right. in rural areas where 
a school bus has uh, hazard lights, a stop light, uh, hazards on. I'm sitting there with a pen and a stop arm on the bus, right. looking to write down their plate number. They look directly in your eyes and they just blow past. And it doesn't. <laughs> it's either they got money or they don't really care because there's no cops around. Right. And they do it multiple times without ever getting any in any trouble. It, it, it is also, just incredibly frustrating. Okay, yep. Right. And also one more thing. I live off of I knew, I live near the bus companies um, near Industrial Road. Mm-hmm. Um, I work over here, so sure. um, it's easier. I live off of 64th and Floors, and in the last week, there has been three car flipovers on 64th and Floors, and the city comes, they put up a new pole, they clean up the glass, and it's like it's never happened. Three car- so three overturned three cars, cars in a week. Right on the corner of... <laughs> oh, the factory was this, uh, right. No, I know exactly what you mean. You're, I, I can picture right here in the corner. Yes, three of them. I remember when I was growing up. I'm 30 plus years old. When we were growing up, I used to never see car accidents. Now you see car accidents. The cars flipped upside down, like we are on a uh, a Hollywood uh, film studio. Um, and it's just ridiculous. <laughs> I used to never knew what a car looked like underneath the car. <laughs> now it's it. Thanks for Now it's kind of like okay, it's the fast and furious every day. I, we have jam phone lines and the text lines exploded. This is, but okay, it's not me. <laughs> it, it it it's it's not me. You know, and I, I would tell you one of the things that really set me off is I had my little dog with me, and so I mean, okay, you you hit me, you hit my car. All right, that's fine. But I've got my dog with me in the car, and it's kind of like all right, you know, this is, it, it's just. It's just crazy. And, I mean, I, I don't know if it's better if you try the freeway or whatever. But, I mean, okay, Mr. Mayor, if you want to deal with quality of life issues and you want to change the perception of your city statewide, maybe kind of start in-house. And let's start with figuring out how to get people who think speed limits and stop signs and red lights are just a suggestion. By the way, Hondo is producing the show today. My favorite caller in that segment Debbie, because she was talking about the guy driving down um, Mitchell Street who didn't stop at stop sign or stop and go lights. I, that, that is quintessential Milwaukee. You know, see, to me, it's like stop lights, but quintessential Milwaukee is the stop and they are stop and go lights. I just, I just, I just love it. I mean, I just that is quintessential Milwaukee. We're hitting the stop and go lights. You know, you need to stop lights. No, no, stop and go lights. Love it. It is ten forty five. Jeff Wagner, six twenty WTMJ. 48, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, coming up in the next hour of the program, the Oleo Wars Revisited. Hondo, you, you look at me blankly. You are not old enough to remember the Oleo Wars. All right, well, all right, what is old is new again. A new version of the Oleo Wars is playing out. I will explain that. Nerf Wars draw, drawing controversy and... Gee, you're supposed to do something you don't, and then you wonder why bad things happen. We'll discuss that all. Um, some more breaking news. Lots of breaking news this morning. I, I told you in the beginning part of this hour, uh, Donald Trump has backed off his initial um, order regarding an immigration ban, but he has now issued a new order designed to address a lot of the issues that the courts had with the original one. So there's now a new order that will go into effect March 16th. Uh, breaking news out of the United States Supreme Court. Uh, oh, you know, give it I, again. This it is amazing to me that America in 2016 and 2017 is, is so obsessed with what bathrooms. 
people who are born one gender and identify with another gender use. When you think of, of all the time and effort that's been spent on this, as I have argued in the past, this is a simple thing. That the simple thing is if you've got if you've got a kid who was born as a boy but identifies as a girl or vice versa and there's this issue as to what locker room they should use or what bathroom they should use, the simple thing is you set up a uni, you set up a unisex changing area and, and that's that's where people go. It avoids the entire problem. But, but of course, we do not live in simple times. There is a case out of Virginia. The kid's name is Gavin Grimm, um, 17-year-old Virginia high school senior who is biologically female, identifies as a male. The school district um, wanted him to use the... Um, the f- wanted him to use the female restroom because he's biologically female. He wanted to use the male restroom. This got a lot of attention because, as you will remember, in the waning day, follow me here, in the waning days of the Obama administration, Obama's Department of Education issued an order saying, we are interpreting federal law to mean that it is sex discrimination to a to not allow somebody to choose which bathroom they want. So so essentially the, the threat from the Obama administration was school districts, if you say you have to use a bathroom that corresponds to the gender identity or, or you set up one of these unisex bathrooms, you will lose your – you risk losing your, your federal education money. So the matter went to court. Um, the – a lower court – found in favor of the kid saying you can choose whichever bathroom you want to use the state appealed that to the supreme court follow me now in the interim what happened was donald trump became president barack obama left donald trump's Department of Education takes a different position than Obama's did. And the the Trump administration said, no, we don't agree. We we are no longer going to argue that, you know, under federal civil rights law, you have to allow people to kids to use the bathroom that they identify with. So they, they said, you know, we're we're changing the guidance. So anyhow, the case was considered by the Supreme Court today. The Supreme Court decided whether they were going to take the case, and what they did is they vacated the lower court's ruling. In other words, they said this lower court ruling that said that the kid had the right to use whichever bathroom he wanted to, we're throwing that out. We're sending the case back to the lower court to kind of decide, and in deciding that, the court's got to consider that now the federal government has changed its position. So that's they're essentially saying, you know, we're not going to take the case. We're not going to decide this because the federal government has changed its position. Judge, reconsider this in light of the federal government's change. The other reality that's going on now is keep in mind that you you only have eight justices on the Supreme Court. And so the other thing that's going on behind the scenes is I think the Supreme Court is recognizing that if they had taken the case to just kind of decide on the merits and and decide once and for all whether federal civil rights law allows 
16-year-olds to decide which bathroom they want to use, that it's quite likely that they might have deadlocked because they're split 4-4. So by kicking the case down back to the lower court, they wait for, in this case, Neil Gorsuch, and he will be confirmed as the ninth Supreme Court justice. My guess is what will happen is this case is going to be back up in front of the Supreme Court, but by ducking it today... What they did is they made sure that they didn't deadlock. So anyhow, we're really no closer to getting a resolution as to whether or not states are required under federal law to allow 16-year-olds to decide which bathroom they use. Again, it's just amazing. In 2016 and 2017, what, what occupies America? When, once again, the simple answer to all of this is... Have the unisex changing room and bathroom for that very, very small percentage of students who this might be an issue for. You solve everything. That's what I would do if I was the king. But unfortunately, nobody's made me the king yet. 1054, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1057, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. I continue to be swamped with both emails and texts by people talking about their driving experiences in the city of Milwaukee. Let, let me kind of give you a summary of this. It's a circus out there, and you take your life in your hands when you are driving down the streets, and that's just the reality. So I appreciate the mayor is out there giving his state of the city address and saying, hey, we're sending more money to Madison than we're getting back, and we've got to change Milwaukee's image. Well, well, maybe one of the things you could do to start that is when you see people driving 80 and 90 miles an hour, weaving in and out of traffic, treating stoplights as mere suggestions Maybe if we started pulling people over and taking the cars or holding them accountable, maybe, just maybe, just maybe, all right, that image would change. After a week-long homestand, the Bucks head to Philadelphia to take on the 76ers. Voice of the Bucks, Ted Davis, has the call. Our Bucks game night coverage starts with Buckshots at 540 this evening, coming up in just a couple minutes. Well, um, when orders become suggestions, nerf wars, and then we start off in less than 10 minutes with a replay of Oleo Wars. Jane Matinair, you are old enough. Do you remember Do you remember Oleo Wars? You know, Jane and I were talking about that after the, after the show this morning, and I and I don't. But I, I grew up in the in the right in the right, right time period. I think some of my siblings, my older right. siblings, remember that. To, to give people an, an idea, um, yeah. We, we actually, we, we moved, my, my parents were originally from the East Coast, they're from the, the Maryland area, from Baltimore, and we, we moved here when I was like nine or ten years old, and I, 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 this, was, this was right as oleo wars were winding down, because until 1967, there was a state law which said you could not sell margarine in Wisconsin. So what would happen is, people, you had to be butter. You know, so that, that was the dairy industry. So what would happen is, honest to God, people would pile into their cars and make oleo runs where they would drive down across the state line to buy boatloads of margarine to bring it back. Now, Wisconsin was the last holdout. I mean, other states had this as well. But in Wisconsin, it took until 1967 to change that law. Coming up in a few minutes, it's Oleo Wars 2. I'll tell you all about it, and we'll discuss. It's 1059, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 1108, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Okay, now let me be precise about oleo wars, because some people are are saying you've got to tell the whole story. All right, up until 1967 in Wisconsin, it was against, oleo is margarine, it was against the law to sell colored margarine 
um, specifically like yellow margarine, like parquet and stuff, it was against the law to sell yellow margarine, colored margarine at all in Wisconsin. You could buy like the, the gloppy margarine, and they used to sell that. You could like buy a block of like the white, icky looking stuff, and you could mix it with like yellow dye. There's places that used to sell that, and so people would like mix their own. Uh, and, and the argument was, of course, this is the dairy industry. It was a protectionist sort of thing. The dairy industry thought it was fraudulent to sell margarine that looked like butter. So, okay, you, you had the law against colored margarine, which is what most of it was. In addition, you had other state laws. Um, here's one that I'm looking at. The serving of colored oleomargarine or margarine at a public eating place as a substitute for butter is against the law unless specifically ordered by a customer. So you couldn't buy colored margarine, oleo. You couldn't sell it in restaurants unless it was specifically asked. Uh, Here's another statute. The serving of oleo margarine or margarine to students, patients, or inmates of any state institutions as a substitute for table butter is prohibited (laughs) unless it is necessary for the health of the specific inmate. So, okay, the kids, they can't have margarine. So, anyways, that's, that's what led to oleo wars where you would have people from Wisconsin who would drive across the state lines and buy a bunch of, like, the, the yellow-colored margarine, parquet, and then drive it back. Okay, so that, that went away in 1967. We have a version of that playing out now. Now, it's not quite the same, but it's interesting. There is this stuff. It's Kerrygold Irish butter. Kerrygold butter, grated, produced, and packaged in Ireland, is an extremely popular kind of specialty sort of of butter. Um, It carries a a premium price. Um, People like it because it is made with milk that is produced from grass-fed cows and is hormone-free. So Kerrygold Pure Irish Butter is... And again, I, I, don't, I don't know butter from one way or the other, but but it's it's viewed as sort of like this high-end delicacy type of butter that people are willing to pay a premium for. However, in the state of Wisconsin, you cannot buy Kerrygold pure Irish butter because Wisconsin has a law that dates back to 1954, which prohibits the sale of butter without either a Wisconsin or a federal grade mark. Now, now Kerrygold butter has, it is graded, it's produced, and it's packaged in Ireland. But it's graded in Ireland. It's not graded by the federal government. It's not graded by Wisconsin. It's graded in Ireland. And it is then you know, imported to the U.S. and it is sold. Under Wisconsin law... You cannot buy it, you know, at stores in Wisconsin. You can, I understand, order it online, but more likely you will make your own version of an oleo run and travel to Illinois. I'm looking at a story in the Madison paper. Um, guy who oversees the dairy and frozen food departments at Schnucks in Roscoe, Illinois, says, hey, you know, we, we get swamped by by this because we have people who are, you know, coming over the state line to buy this because it's viewed as being better than other stuff. 
in jo- October of 2015, Woodman's, which is based out of Janesville, um, complained because other retailers, including Meyer and Sam's Club, were selling Kerrygold butter at Wisconsin stores, and the state decided to send warning letters to both Meyer and Sam's Club saying this product has to be removed from these stores. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Now, I don't know Kerrygold pure Irish butter from other forms of butter. But at the same time, is there any reason in God's green earth that in Wisconsin in 2017, you should not be allowed to buy this product in the state of Wisconsin, but rather be forced to either order it online and pay to have it delivered or have to drive down to Schnucks Grocery in Roscoe, Illinois, and buy it. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Oleo Wars for 2017. Kerrygold, pure Irish butter. Does this law make any sense? We discuss next. It's 1114. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Eleven seventeen, Jeff Wagner, six twenty, WTMJ. Milwaukee Mayor Tom Barrett gives the state of the city address on Monday. What does he have in mind for the city in two thousand seventeen? How does he think the city has recovered from the Sherman Park riots? Find out on Wisconsin's afternoon news at three eleven today. All right, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. If you're if you haven't been listening for the last couple of days and you're saying what is this text line he's talking about? Well, now we we just have one number, but you can call in and participate in the program that way. You can also text. Text us, and um, I'll try to check them out. Uh, here's what Mike in Fond du Lac writes. Hey, I stopped my home improvement works when I heard you mention Kerry Gold Butter. I was visiting my son and family in Phoenix just last month, and they introduced me to the butter, which is absolutely fantastic, especially in a hard roll. I came back to Wisconsin and asked at several grocery stores if they carried it. They did not. Now, thanks to you, I know why. I don't like the reason. It's ridiculous. Thanks for letting me vent. Mike, that is what I'm here for. Yeah, in Wisconsin, there's a law that goes back to 1954 designed presumably to protect the dairy industry, which says that in order to be sold legally in Wisconsin, butter needs to be graded. And there's three grades for butter. Double A, um, which is butter made from sweet cream. It's the highest grade of butter. So you learn stuff. Grade A, which is made from fresh cream. And then grade B, which is the lowest grade of butter available to consumer use. In Wisconsin, the law says... To be sold in Wisconsin, it has to either be graded in Wisconsin or graded by the federal government. This Kerrygold pure Irish butter is graded in Wisconsin. It's graded in Ireland, so it's not legal to sell it in Wisconsin, at least at retailers. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Mary Jo in Green Bay. Mary Jo, good morning. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Mary Love Jo. Thank you. Um, we were just talking about this last night. We winter in Florida, and we're back in Green Bay for the week. And my husband came home last night, and he said, I found out why we can't get the Kerrygold <laughs> butter, because it's not graded. Yeah. That is, like, the first thing we buy when we get to Florida. <laughs> well, and it's, and, it's, we it's, and it's graded. It's graded in Ireland. It's just not graded in Wisconsin or right. by the federal government. Yeah. <laughs> this stuff is something like you've never had. Really? It's so good, and we don't really even eat butter. When we're at home, but when we get down there, we it, eat a lot. I assume does, really it co- does it does it cost a little bit? I assume it costs a little bit more than like the regular butter you would get. Well, everything's a little more in the dairy industry down right. there. Got it. Um, but it's 
it's worth every penny of it. It's so good. And like you said, especially on bread, it's just, it's so good. I wish we could get it. Yeah, well, right. Well, see, I mean, th- I guess the the bigger point to, to me, Mary Jo, is the insanity as to why you can't get it. You know, I mean, it's if this was a if this was a safety reason or something, I'd get it. But it is it is grated butter. You know, they're they're just doing it in Ireland, not here. This is all about protecting Wisconsin. But all right, just compete. I mean, and if and if you like it, buy it. If you don't like it, um, you know, don't buy it. But why shouldn't consumers have the choice? Well, I guess it goes back to when we had to have cheese on our apple pie. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the call. I, I appreciate it. Uh, let's see. have an email here. I bought Kerrygold at Woodman's in Oak Creek shortly after they opened. Yeah, that was one. They had it at Woodman's, and then a couple of the other retailers started complaining. I bought it because my daughter-in-law is part Irish, and I thought she would enjoy it. I never bought it again because I didn't like the taste. Yeah, well, I, and I have look, I, I don't think I've ever had this, and I don't. I'm not encouraging people to go out and buy Kerrygold pure Irish butter. I take no position on whether it is superior or not. I, I am, though, saying that if you happen to like it, if just like Mary Jo, you think it's great, or if just like Mike from Fond du Lac, you think it's great, do you really, do, should you have to order it over the Internet, or should you have to drive down to Illinois to buy it? Dave in Nakusa. Dave, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Well, I agree with the law. I, uh, I feel that... Um you know, I remember the old oleo days when my my mom would buy the uncolored oleo, and right. then you would pop a little colorant packet in there and turn it into oleo with colorant. Right. But uh, you know, why? Wh- if we have the law, so so what? I mean, if these people want that butter, and I'll let them drive to Florida, I don't or but, Illinois, but why, I don't have what, a problem but, keeping but, the law in place. But why? I mean, what what is the purpose of it? I mean, if 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 it's butter, and I want to be able to buy the butter, and I like it better than. I don't know butter that's produced somewhere else. Why shouldn't I be able to buy it? Because I've, I'm a, I'm a Trumpster. I believe in America first, and we make great butter here. And you know, if you don't like it, move to Ireland. Well, okay, but but they, okay, I, not, okay, well, yeah, okay, I understand. Okay, I, I, no, I get it. it. Well, I mean, I guess it's like okay, but I mean, the, the here, here's the the idea behind. It. Now, obviously, my guess is because it's imported, you're probably paying you know more dough for that. All right, so and I again, I take no position on whether it's better or whether it's worse or, or whatever. I, I don't. I've never had it. I don't know, but. Really? I mean, it seems to me that the only reason to have these protectionist type of things is if there is a safety concern. And I don't think that anybody is seriously arguing that degrading the butter in Ireland makes it more makes it more dangerous than grading the butter here. Because apparently you can buy it in most, if not all, the states. And by the way, you can buy it online, I guess. You can have it ordered. So you can in Wisconsin, if you want it, you can order it and you can have it shipped in. You just can't go to the local Sendex or whatever and buy it. How dumb is that? I mean, really. Um, let's see. Uh, I have a text here. Butter wars are crazy. Same reason I couldn't get colored beer in the 70s and 80s in Michigan. And now you can't get some beers out east now. That's from Drew and Mundelein. Again, it's it, it's... It is this kind of, this is a protectionist thing from 1954. It is 60 plus years old. It makes no sense in America and in Wisconsin in 2017. I don't care whether you buy the butter or not. That's up to you. But should you have a right to be able to buy the butter? Well, of course you should. And this I mean, I, this this then leads into the larger thing about the entire the, the whole you know competitive price and the minimum markup laws and types of things like this. I mean, it, it's really 
it's kind of time for some of these antiquated protectionist stuff to just go the wayside. I mean, look, 1967, we recognized that it didn't make any sense to say that you couldn't buy colored margarine in the state of Wisconsin. In 2017, if you want to buy pure Irish butter, you should be able to do it. That's just me. 1124, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Now we got to figure out what this stuff tastes like. Gotta, I, I'm just, I actually, I, I'm a margarine user just because it's, you know, I, but I don't know. Maybe I try this sometime. Check it out. Eleven twenty-seven. Jeff Wagner, six twenty. WTM. I love my job. Catherine, just, I just, I'm just looking at all the different emails. We're talking about this butter thing. Catherine writes, uh, "There's no reason why." Kerrygold butter should be banned from purchase in Wisconsin. After a week-long trip to Ireland a couple years ago, I was blown away by the quality of meat and dairy in Ireland. I had low expectations. After all, who says, hey, I'm going out for Irish food this weekend? In Ireland, the demand for exports of the meat-dairy industry is very high because there are zero hormones, pesticides, etc. in the country. Consequently, beef, lamb, milk, cheese, butter is exceptional. If we consumers are willing to pay more for those items that are pure and high quality, who cares? Let me eat cake made from Irish butter. Absolutely. Now, I have a text here. Joe says, as an Illinoisan, we have to make a few trips to Wisconsin for New Glarus beer. I feel their pain. Yeah, that's that's another thing, but it's slightly different. Okay, Spotted Cow. Okay, New Glarus, which makes Spotted Cow. And at the risk of alienating a, a large number of you, I'm, I'm kind of a beer aficionado. I don't like Spotted Cow. I might be the one guy in Wisconsin who doesn't care for Spotted Cow, but I don't care for Spotted Cow. But anyhow, that's the great thing about beer. You know, you get to have your own choice. Well, you, you can only you, – you cannot sell Spotted Cow outside of the state. Um, remember, there was a controversy about a year ago where you had a bar in Minnesota right across from, from Hudson – and that was selling spotted cow. And what the, the bar owners did is they went across to Wisconsin, they went to Hudson, they bought a couple kegs of spotted cow, they brought it back, and they were selling it at, at their bar in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Now, there, there's a couple different things. First of all, New Glarus is not a licensed alcohol manufacturer in Minnesota. Um, that's a decision that they've made because I think they want to kind of build the – sort of build the mystique of the brand, and so it's like a Wisconsin-only type of thing. And no Minnesota alcohol distributors are authorized to legally distribute Spotted Cow to retailers in that state. And again, that's because Nuclearis chooses you know, not to pay whatever fee it is because they, they want to do that. So that's, that's sort of the same. In Minnesota, you can't get Spotted Cow, and in Wisconsin, you can't get Kerrygold Pure Irish Butter. Oh, the outrage. All right, coming up in just a couple minutes, what part of if you don't do this, you're going to be in trouble, don't some people understand? It's 1134, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us on a Monday morning. Uh, let's see. After a week-long homestand, the Bucks head to Philadelphia to take on the 76ers. Voice of the Bucks, Ted Davis, has the call. Our Bucks game night coverage starts with Buck shots at 540 tonight. 
All right. Lost in this entire discussion about immigration and deportation and and rounding up people who've been in this country illegally is, is the conversation about people who have been identified as being in this country illegally and been told they've had they have to leave who have made the decision to ignore the deportation orders and have stayed for for years who are now being sort of I don't know how to use the phrase rounded up but they are now being being targeted you know we're, we're talking about people who've been who've been told in some cases years ago that you have to leave the country and have just blown off th- those orders all right the, and the New York Times is writing sympathy stories about people in this category on an almost daily basis but but here's one that, that, that caught my attention. The headline says, Migrants Confront Judgment Day Over Old Deportation Orders. Uh, There are little more than two weeks before Juan, an electrician in the Bronx, and the date he cannot forget. March 21, 2017, at 8 a.m., when the federal government has told him to report for deportation. Two weeks to decide. Avoid it and try to preserve the American life he has built for a little longer, even as a fugitive. Go and lose it all. His wife, his son, his job, his apartment, his world. He said, I feel like an animal if I would stay here and hide. Um, I want to prove to them that I can follow the law. I want to make my case, but I know if I show up, they are going to deport me. Okay, so in the case of of Juan, the the electrician, um, he was ordered deported in 2013. So they told him in 2013, you, you have to leave. He had requested asylum, but they had ultimately denied that. So he has been in this country following a deportation order for, for going on four years. And now, you know, they're saying, okay, it's time, it's time to leave. And there's story after story after story of this. Apparently, the numbers are such that um, since 2006, the numbers facing outstanding deportation orders has grown to around 962,000 people. So there's almost a million people who are in this country who have been told that they have to leave and have decided that they don't choose to leave and now that is kind of the low-hanging fruit immigration is saying okay we're all, all these people that are in the system they've been told that they have to leave you know and they've exhausted their appeals and the orders are there now we're, we're actually saying this deportation order means something and and you have to leave and of course, th- there's all this outrage about that. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, is it is it unreasonable if you have people who are in this country who have been through the immigration system and have been told that okay, you have to leave, who have decided either to ignore those deportation orders or who have fought the deportation orders, as they're entitled to do, and have lost. Is it unreasonable for those people who are in the system and have been told to leave that now we're going to get serious? In other words, when we say it's time to go, it is time to go. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And at the risk of being labeled the, the ugly American, 
I understand we have Im- issues with our immigration system, and I will be the first one to say that maybe somewhere along the line we need to figure out a way for you know people who are in this country and have come into this country, for example, illegally, giving them some sort of path to residency if they're not a problem. But, but at the same time, you know, if you've been through the system, if you've been caught in this country, if you've been told that you have to leave and you're subject to a deportation order and you've decide to, decided to blow it off for four years, well, all right, it's time to go. 414-799-1620 is the number. We continue the conversation in just a minute or two. It's 1139. If you're on the line, please sit on. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1143, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, Judy in Milwaukee. Judy, good morning. Good morning, and thanks for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. I think that they ought to stop this immigration. It smacks of uh, the Holocaust in Germany in 1932. Stop? You mean stop deportations because it smacks of the Holocaust? Yes, it does. Okay, tell me why. Well, in 1932, all the Jews had to leave the country. Yeah, but okay. So I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I just want to make sure I'm understanding. I mean, if you have somebody who's come to this country illegally, who's then been the subject of an order saying you you have to leave, you, you're you're deported, you're you're in this country illegally, and that person ignores that order and decides I, I don't have to pay attention to the laws, you liken that to the Holocaust. I do. Why? Because it smacks of people of when Germany had Jews coming into the country. They didn't like it. They didn't like their their um, their jobs or anything else, and they took away their jobs so that they couldn't leave, and they had to leave. Should we should we allow anybody who wants to come into this country? Should they should we have open borders? Should anybody who wants to come into this country be able to come into the country without? With, so we have no immigration laws, just open borders? Well, no. That, in that case, we have to do something else for them. If they're, if they're in this country illegally, we have to give them some sort of uh, uh, permit that they can stay. Well, okay, so, but I get that sort of begs the question. Okay. Um, I, I understand that immigration is kind of this complicated issue, but with all due respect... Telling somebody who has come into this country illegally, who has been through the court system, who has said that, all right, you're you're here in this country illegally, you now have to leave because you're here illegally, you've been ordered deported, and and, and then the person decides that they're going to stay for another few years, to say that's like the Nazis treated the Jews during the Holocaust – I, I'm sorry, I, just, I do not make that, that connection. Um, you've come into this country illegally. I guess, I, mean, that, I guess that's a fundamental issue, unless you believe that we should have no immigration laws at all and that people who have been caught – I mean, look, if you drive your car without a driver's license and you get caught – there are going to be consequences. If there is a warrant out for your arrest or you're, you're told you have to appear at a particular time in court and you don't show up, all right, there, there's going to be a warrant that's issued for arrest and there's going to be a consequence to that. Um, sorry, but I look at this 
and just say, you know, we, we, we have these laws. You cannot decide which laws you want. And if you get caught and you get ordered deported, you are not the one that gets to decide whether or not you're going to obey the order. Let's talk to Rick in Lake Geneva. Rick, good morning. You're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Here's my my whole take on this is they broke the law, just as you've been talking to with uh, with that lady, yeah. Judy. Uh, they broke the law. Therefore, you know, they, you got to follow through. A deal's a deal until it's done. You know, if you look at it that way, our politicians have sat down, took up took up time, you know, you know, in the chambers to create laws mm-hmm. and pass it down to the bench for the for the judges judges yeah. to enforce the DAs, you know, and there's all of our tax money went into those efforts, you know. Right. Finish the deal, you know. Well, well right. I mean, are this... here illegally. Get them out. Well, well right. You I know? mean, think, see, this isn't like now. Okay, if you if you want to parallel to Nazi Germany, if all of a sudden we came out with this order that said we are going to round up all all Muslims. And we are going to deport all Muslims, regardless of your citizenship. Okay, I, I clearly then then maybe your parallel, maybe you know in some respects the parallel of the Holocaust starts working. You're targeting people because of their religion. In this particular case, you have people who've come into the country illegally. They've been caught. They've been told you have to leave. They have ignored the orders, and so now we're saying, hey, we really meant it. I mean, that's. I don't, excuse me, but I don't think that's an unreasonable position to take. Let's talk to Sue in Wauwatosa. Sue, good morning. You're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning. I'll make this brief, but I, I become irritated when I've, I've had the privilege of doing business, traveling across the world, and you would never find, even in companies that uh, are not anti-freedom and rights, um, you'd never find the acceptance of people who have been given a warning, have been given opportunities, and then totally ignore it. I mean, you'd be out of the country so fast in a blink. The other piece of this is that I have many international friends who have come here, not all from privilege, and have worked their way through green cards and right. whatever's required to become citizens. So I just... Yeah. I don't find it appalling at all. I, I, I want it to happen. Well, well, right. I mean, and see, and what's at the heart of this, at least in my opinion, Sue, is there's a lot of people who who just don't believe we should have any, any immigration laws at all. They, they believe we should have open borders. And, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know that there's any country that has open borders. Now, I understand in Europe you've got the European Union and there's a little bit of tra- there's travel that's allowed back and forth. But I don't – seriously, I mean, do we really want to say anybody from anywhere just come to the United States and we will welcome you? I just I, – that doesn't make any sense to me. This, well, you know, with all due respect that the, the lady that called in, um, you know, it, I just don't think that this smacks of uh, <laughs> yeah. Nazism. But, you know, I, I, I get it. I respect her opinion. But – yeah. But, I think respect, it, it smacks of irresponsibility if we don't do it. Right. Right, right, exactly. You don't get to pick and choose. And in this particular case, like I say, the people that they're, they're I hate to use the phrase rounding up, but the people they're, you know, that they're targeting right now are folks who have deportation orders, in some cases going back several years, who've just yeah. decided to ignore those deportation orders. Well, all right, um, don't, don't, at some point in time, you've got to pay the, the fiddler. That's just what happens. Yeah, I, well, I totally agree. That's, 
Yeah. You know, I don't know, you know, what else. I, I know there are so many people that are all in, in uproar about all this. But I, again, I come back to the people that have come here, worked hard, learned language, right. didn't have money, had to really struggle, work probably rotten jobs, as we call them. Right. But they've made it, and they're professionals now, and I'll help anybody that's willing to do that. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. And, and going back to the point that you started your conversation with, is somebody, like you say, that travels overseas and conducts business, um, There, there's no question that you have, uh, you, you have if, 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 you, if you go to Spain, if you go to France, and I'm not even talking about, you know, I, I'm not talking about third world countries, but I'm not talking about re- countries where there's regimes. You go to Spain, you go to France, you go to Great Britain, you enter on, on a visa, whatever that visa is. Let's say you've got a work visa. That visa expires. I guarantee you that people are going to come out and they're going to find you. You know, once that visa expires, if you have overstayed it, and if they tell you you got to leave, there are going to be consequences for doing that. Okay, I'm sorry, a lot of people want to weigh in on this, but uh, there's the long knives are out for the chief of staff in the Trump administration. I'm going to tell you about that. Then we're going to find out what Scafidi and Bill Stat have on their minds coming up on their show. Stick around. It's 11:51. Jeff Wagner, 6:20 WTMJ. I'm Ryan, the Germantown Menominee Falls Community President for Waterstone Bank. Are you having a pajama day? No worries, you can still get life done. Open your new Waterstone checking account online. Get the details at wsbonline.com. As for getting dressed, (laughs) you're on your own. Waterstone Bank, it's all here for you. Member FDIC. Broadcasting live from the Ross Darrow Group Studios, News Radio 620 WTMJ and WTMJ HD Milwaukee. 1154, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Hey, this is a, this is a cool story. John Jagler, state representative, um, former colleague who occasionally has been doing some fill-in work here. Um, his daughter, um, Gracie, who has Down syndrome. Um, she started this business. She's 19. We, we've talked about it before. Gracie's Doggy Delights. Uh, this is a really cool story. Um, she is she um, is going to be awarded. She's been awarded the first ever Blake Pyron Entrepreneurship Scholarship. The award given out by the National Down Syndrome Society. Um, going to be presented to her April 4th as part of their employment conference and, and buddy walk. Um, this is this is just a great success story. As a matter of fact, last time I saw John when he was here a couple weeks ago, you know, he was just talking about how th- this business has, has grown and grown and grown and is sort of taking on a life of its own and um, could not happen to, couldn't happen to a nicer family. And I uh, just wanted to mention that um, she's winning this Entrepreneur Award. Hey, I told you that the latest story of political intrigue out of, of Washington is the long knives are definitely out for, you know, Kenosha native Reince Priebus who has what I think might be the most difficult job in Washington. He is the chief of staff to President Donald Trump. Now, the the reason why this is such a difficult job is the job of the chief of staff is to keep the boss on message, regulate what the boss does. In other words, to try to rein in the whirlwind. 
how in God's green earth do you rein in the whirlwind that is Donald Trump? I mean, you know, when you wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning and you find that the boss was up at 3 o'clock tweeting about how he's been wiretapped. I mean, it's just how how do you deal with that type of stuff? I mean, so, okay, the, the story in Politico over the weekend is Priebus is drawing criticism as chief of staff uh, essentially because they, they say that he's um, a, a micromanager um, and a lot of Trump allies just don't don't like it. They say he sprints from one West Wing meeting to another, um, inserting himself into conversations big and small. OK, well, the, the problem is I, I have a feeling with President Trump, like him or not, you've got it. it Imagine if you are the chief of staff, it's like the the dam, you know, the, the Dutch dam, and there's a hole springing up here, and there's a hole springing up there, and you are running trying to plug the hole. That, that's why he is probably springing from meeting to meeting, because you never know what the you-know-what has just happened. I mean, you wake up in the morning, what did the boss tweet out at 3 a.m.? Where did that come from? So the long knives are apparently out for Priebus, saying he's a micromanager. You want to talk about a tough – being chief of staff to the president is very tough under the best of circumstances. Being the chief of staff to Donald Trump, I can only imagine. Eric Bilstadt, Steve Scafidi, Scafidi and Bilstadt, what do you got coming up? You know, at any day if we do the show, there's an opportunity to talk about Donald Trump. You just talked about what has to be the most challenging job in, in the imagine? White House. How do you deal with everything that he does every He's day? a micromanager. He's running from meeting to meeting. Well, sure, because you never know what the you-know-what's going to come out of and, a particular and be meeting. Be careful what you wish for, too. If someone else is going to take that job, there might not be another person who can handle it like Reince can. But he's, he's such a good guy, and he's yeah. it's an unwinnable battle for him. Well, I mean, seriously, can you, okay, um, can you imagine you go to bed at night, you think everything's calmed down, <laughs> And then you wake up, and the boss at 3 a.m. is on the Twitter thing saying, I've been wiretapped with, with no evidence. I, I heard it on talk radio, so I've been wiretapped. And then that's the firestorm. It's kind of mm-hmm. like, what next? I'm sorry. What do you guys get coming up on the show? Beyond Donald Trump, yeah. we're going to obviously talk about the mayor's, uh, Mayor Barrett's speech, uh, State of the City speech today. Lots going on there. It was kind of general speech, but there's a few things we'll pick out of that. Always something going on with uh, Hollywood, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Beauty and the Beast controversy. I don't know if you mentioned it, but there's a gay element apparently to the film, which comes out in the next couple weeks, and not only is a theater in Alabama saying they won't show it, but a country is actually saying they won't show it. So lots to talk about today on Scafidi and Billstead. There is a gay element to Beauty and the Beast? Apparently they've added it in towards the end of the film, I understand. Yeah, one of the characters. Yeah. Who knew? <laughs> I mean, I, I rem- I've seen the animated Beauty and the Beast. I've seen the musical Beauty and the Beast. Who knew? And is it necessary? Do you, do you need to add that element? You, you learn something new every day and listen to Scafidi and Billstead. It will be educational. Okay, <laughs> I guess. I am out of time. A lot of stuff we didn't get to today, but that's okay. I'm back at 8.30 tomorrow morning when we do this all again. Hey, it's 52 degrees outside. Enjoy the weather. Have a great Monday. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ.